Welcome to the weekly worship podcast from the Presbyterian Church in Morristown, where we pause our busy lives to dig deeper into our faith. If you enjoy what you hear, please subscribe, or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Let's listen to how God might speak to us today, and remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters. Friends, through this Advent season, we're going to be diving deep into the first chapter of Luke's Gospel. So this morning's reading is a bit long. This is Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 23. Hear God's word to us today. Since many have undertaken to set down an orderly account of the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed on to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, I, too, decided, after investigating everything carefully from the very first, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the truth concerning the things about which you have been instructed. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren and both were getting on in years. Once, when he was serving as priest before God and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at that time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Poor guy. Even kidding. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many people, many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know that this is so? For I'm an old man and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. When he did, not, when he did come out, he could not speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. This is the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. 
Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us and mold us. Fill us and use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on each one of us. Amen. And so another Advent begins. Today marks the first Sunday in Advent, which is also the first Sunday of the Christian year. The church celebrates the new year today, even as in the rest of the world, the previous year has not yet come to a close. The church holds time a little differently than the rest of the world, and it's always been that way. Some of the older characters in the Bible, like Noah and Abraham, well, time seemed to work differently for them. Noah was evidently 950 years old when he died, which was 350 years after the flood, which lasted for 40 days and 40 nights, as, and they were in the ark, which also took 120 years to build. So at the time that God told him to build the ark, Noah must have been about 480 years old. Abraham was 75 when God called called him and told him that he and Sarah would be parents to a son. It was another 25 years before the son was born, so he became a dad at age 100 and lived another 75 years beyond that. So he would have been a much more reasonable 175 years old when he died. The church holds time a little differently than the rest of the world. From Abraham and Sarah, there came centuries of history and movement and growth and prophecy, all of it shaped around this relationship between God and God's beloved, called, chosen, covenant people. God had promised them a Messiah, one who would arrive to save them. And they prayed and they waited for the day when God's anointed one would come. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we might be saved. In our first passage from Psalm 80, we read about the desperate waiting for God to come. Others, like Isaiah, prophesied about this promised one. Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the woman is with child and shall bear a son, and you shall name him Emmanuel, Emmanuel. God is with us. The longer the wait, the more weary the world became. And then the silence fell. For 400 years, God's people did not hear a word from the one who promised to save them. 400 years that by all accounts were marked by darkness, by by war and oppression, and by this silence from God. Until one day, a priest named Zechariah was chosen to enter the sanctuary of the Lord to offer incense. And while he was there, and the people were gathered outside waiting and keeping watch and praying... The angel Gabriel came to Zechariah with the sort of news that he could have never imagined. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were righteous people who kept God's commandments, but who, like 
Abraham and Sarah, long before them, had been unable to have children of their own, and now they were older. They were getting on in their years. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. For the first time in 400 years, the Lord spoke. The Savior was coming, and John, this child of Zechariah and Elizabeth, would would point the way. He will turn many people in Israel to the Lord their God with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. After 400 years of silence and centuries longer than that of prophecy, the promises of God are about to be revealed. And this child... John will help make the people ready for the Messiah's coming. The church holds time a little differently than the rest of the world. And it's always been that way. Which might point us back to today as another Advent begins. And we weary mortals May weary our God also with our wars and with our ways that lead to oppression and the darkness that so often marks the mess that we have made of things. No matter how hard we try, we can't seem to keep peace with each other. The distance between the enormously rich and the desperately poor seems to get wider and wider. We can't seem to protect or preserve our environment from climate change. We can't seem to really govern ourselves or get anything done. The things that might actually help people or serve the people most in need. And not just in our public life, but also maybe especially in our private life, because things are so often a mess there too. Things between us and our parents, our our children, our siblings, our spouses. For many, they've become strained to the breaking point and beyond. That only becomes more and more evident as we try to make our holiday plans. Grief and hurt are compounded at this time of year. So many of us experience loneliness and isolation, and yet so many of us prefer to just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling rather than just putting down our devices in place of actual human connection. Advent always begins as the nights become longer and the world with its pressures and its demands grows more and more weary. You may have noticed from the bulletin cover that our theme for this Advent is The Weary World Rejoices. It comes from the line, of course, in that old familiar and beloved Christmas hymn, O Holy Night. Did you know that the song was originally written by a French atheist poet and that the music was supplied by a Jewish composer? It was later translated into English by an American Unitarian minister, and in the 1800s it became a popular hymn for abolitionists. The weary world rejoices. The line before that line speaks to something particularly noteworthy for this first Sunday in Advent, a thrill of hope 
Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appears and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. It makes me wonder, it's been making me wonder since we chose this theme, what exactly that thrill of hope refers to. Does it refer to his appearing? Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appears and as the soul felt its worth, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Does it refer to the soul which, which by his appearance feels its worth? I think a helpful way for us to begin this Advent season might just be for us to imagine ourselves in the darkness, which might not be too difficult on a dreary morning like this one. Imagine a long, long silence from God. Imagine a weary, weary world. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something I don't usually ask you to do, but it seems to me that in order for the weary world to rejoice, we have to at least acknowledge that it's kind of weary to begin with. In order to experience the thrill of hope, we at least have to acknowledge our need for it. So I invite you to open yourselves to this Advent journey and its waiting and its darkness, sometimes in silence to deeply and truly anticipate Christ's coming among us again. So what I want you to do is open your palms like this and close your eyes and breathe deeply and think to yourself, what weariness do you carry in your body? What weariness do you carry in your soul? What might it look like for you to rejoice when you are weary? What is the hope that you need for today? And during this Advent season, how might you, like John the Baptist, point the way toward God's promised Messiah? Open your eyes. And remember, my friends, that God comes... So don't let go of all of the reasons to rejoice. God comes, so don't stop lifting your prayers with thanksgiving. God comes, so don't stop giving your hearts to God. We will sing not just one, but many songs of Advent to the one, even in this weary world, who causes us to rejoice. Thanks be to God.
Amen. Thank you for listening with us today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe. Or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Visit us at www.pcmorristown.org or find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook to stay connected with our church. But most of all, remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters.